Can you sail under the command of a pirate? You don't listen to me. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. Words are things. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Can't about calling people out of their names. I kept coming back to it, just trying to figure out where in the world we had gone so wrong that it had ended up here. Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Why, Johnny Ringo, you look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? What we've got here is failure to communicate. Some man you just can't read. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. You don't tell your pappy how to cut the electorate. We ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communicating. Oh, yeah. Are you not That's a powerful new force. Are you not a And welcome to the Pirate Professor Podcast. This is your captain speaking. Hey crew, how you been? It's been a while. Um, but welcome back aboard the ship somewhere in the middle of the Great Big Sea. Um, sailing the deep blue or... Sitting in your apartment somewhere, driving down the road, wherever you are, lost in your part of the world. In this big, crazy, old world of ours. Uh, new things. One, I still do that thing, and I've really got to stop myself. This is the problem with getting into doing things that are out of the ordinary for you world's crazy world's been crazy this is nothing new uh the world's always been, as long as as long as our silly selves have been wandering this planet the world has been crazy um it's just has little peak moments of craziness right now and i believe we're waist deep in some crazy um and the water's still rising but what do you do um you can sit and complain about it or you can adapt and move on. And so adaptation is one of the things that human beings are the best at. So here we are. And part of that adaptation is I've made some improvements around the ship here. Actually, I'm not on the boat. I'm at the cabin right now. Uh, but I did get some new microphones and uh, I got some. Good studio microphones, and I can already tell the difference between this one and my old one. So, uh, hopefully the sound improvement's better on your end as well. Um, I haven't done any podcast in a while, just because, well, I didn't really want to. 
Um, the thing is for me, and this is, this is the hard part for all content creators is this constant train of expectation that you're going to produce and put out something. And that's just the world of working in the media working in journalism. As soon as you finish one thing, it's time to start another thing. So, uh, when you can take a break, take a break. Uh, but the other thing is, at least for me, like, I just don't want to put out anything. Like there's sort of a point where you, you just sort of feel like a dancing monkey in a cage or something, where you're just like, everybody wants to see whatever it is that you have. When I, back when I used to do a lot more YouTube stuff and I had pretty substantial following that was like that it got to be taxing and people that work in social media that's one of the things that kind of causes burnout a lot is you just never ending train of uh, expectation for content because there's not only the people that are following you looking for it but you know you get rewarded but for that um, by the the algorithm gods and you know, so what do you do? But the problem is the danger can be you end up putting just out a lot of bad content. Uh, and I've never, like if I'm going to put something out, I, I, like if I'm going to do one of these things, I need something to say. And so one of the things I've been working on is a new project. And this is kind of in that line with that. Um, I started thinking last year, last fall, uh, about one of my favorite professors. He was a f philosophy professor, and uh, he passed away a few weeks ago. And I found—I didn't know he was even sick uh, until I reached out to try to get him to come on this podcast because I was thinking, I was like, this guy taught philosophy for decades and what would happen if I could get like his best three minutes like what would that look like or what would that sound like what like of all your years of your lifetime of teaching give me your best three minutes and it's kind of a asinine request because there's how can you possibly cover anything in three minutes but sometimes that kind of exercise where you just have to distill everything down to its basic core sometimes can have some fairly interesting results but turns out uh he had terminal cancer by that point and well it was too late and so i started thinking about him and i started thinking you know everybody's got at least most everybody you know they've got their favorite professor they had in college the one who always just really sort of connected with uh, they've had, you know, they've had favorite teachers of some sort, like in high school or just people in their lives who have always sort of been mentors and bright spots on the horizon. And that got me thinking about lighthouses and how lighthouses were literally these bright places on the horizon that guided sailors in stormy dark seas to safety and away from danger. And I thought, you know, we could really use some things like that these days. Um, 
not necessarily out on the ocean, though lighthouses are still out there and in use, uh, more in this kind of great big sea of the digital world that we find ourselves in. And so I started this project called Lighthouse. And basically it's me just looking for people out there to talk about things that they know that could offer insight, stay out of politics, stay out of it. Just like, let's just kind of sort of in the spirit of that philosophy professor, uh, let's just sort of boil things down to their core and explore ideas and sort of uh, marinate in for a while. And so that's what I'm working on. I got some, New camera gear, so my YouTube channel is going to be rocking and rolling. I just put um, the first thing up this week. Uh, we had the snow over the weekend, so um, one of my favorite poems have been has been um, Robert Frost stopping by the woods, stopping by woods on a snowy evening. And so I was in the woods on a snowy evening with my cameras, and I was like, I'm not going to let this pass me by. So I shot a video. And it came out really, really nice. Uh, it's on my YouTube. Just Google my name, Billy Reader, R-E-E-D-E-R. You can find me uh, and the ridiculous things I've done in the past that are still up there. Um, but what else? Um, oh, yeah. So Lighthouse. The thing that's sort of my focus right now is just bringing some of this home and so I'm going to be doing podcasts with these people I'm going to be doing some social media stuff where I do the short do little short films uh with them so right now I'm in the process of organizing those things and getting them all planned and filmed and then edited and it'll be a process but in the meantime I'm just going to keep doing some of these too because well I've got some things I can say um, that might be useful to some of y'all out there. Maybe not. Maybe you can just scrub through it and move on and flip to the next podcast, but it is what it is. Uh, so this one is the first lecture I gave to my social media class last week uh, where we actually jump into uh, Greek philosophy. Everything seems to be in the uh, vein of philosophy right now because Sort of the, the theme that I found myself in with this project is the question of truth. The thing that I hear over and over again, and you can, you know, if we're talking, everybody has friends that are way too deep into whatever they think is politics right now. And... There seems to be this world where no one knows who to believe. Or let me rephrase that. We can't seem to agree on who it is we're supposed to be listening to. Um, and it doesn't really seem to matter what the topic is. We have these camps that are developing. Um, and we can talk about why. Um, but as soon as one side stakes a claim on some topic, the opposite side, instead of looking for any moment of agreement, the other side, you know, takes a uh, combative role going the other way. And that's just where we find ourselves right now. So, um, 
sometimes the best thing to do is just sort of step back away from all sides, go to get the 30,000 foot view for a little bit, and then go and get the microscopic view for a little bit and just start weighing your options. Um, and so basically these things are all going to be in some form, uh, working around the idea of truth. And so that's where I started out this lecture. Um, and I've got a stuffy head, so I apologize for the sniffling. The, um, yeah, truth. Uh, we go to Plato and I talk about the, uh, allegory of the cave and the realm of forms and how you know a chair is a chair. If you've ever been in my classes, uh, in the past, um, this may be familiar because the chair quick conversation sometimes gets um, pretty rambunctious. Uh, otherwise, uh, I tried to clean up the lecture just a little bit, just simply because it was my—it was the, literally the first time I've lectured in months and months and months, and that is a skill that you can get rusty on. Talking in front of people is something that. It's definitely a skill. It is definitely a skill to hone and maintain. And it's not just about keeping the pace and the rhythm and remembering what you're supposed to say, but, you know, your voice. Uh, if you notice teachers, a lot of times at the very beginning of the semester, they'll all be hoarse because they're not used to talking so much and loudly. Conversation across the table is completely different than standing in front of a class and making sure the person in the back can hear you. So that's where we are, this big circus of a world that we currently live in. So let's get this cruise started, shall we? Got a monkey on his back, could have bomb a cigarette, he done smoke my last pack. Put up the big top, throw down the sawdust, we don't open till tomorrow. Step right up, we got beer for the bearded lady, and the Siamese twins are in the opium, and the trapeze guys are all high on cocaine that they buy. Everybody knows the greatest party on earth is a circus down Ringling. 
What is one of the biggest complaints people have right now in terms of media? Pe people are complaining constantly about media. And specifically, it was, we're, we're a journalism program, so and this is the thing that they complain about news media. What is it? Bias, okay. What was that, Demir? Fake news, okay. People don't know what to believe, right? Fair point. So, it's ultimately it's kind of the question of truth, right? What is what is the truth? So, let's ask that question. Let's let's talk about it because the thing is, one of the big problems we have in the world of media today is people act as if there are no consequences for their words. Um, there's a thing that happens from a psychological level that more what we call channels. So social media is a type of channel using radios, channel television. It's a different type of channel. The more distance you put between yourself as a speaker and the person on the other side as a receiver, not just physical distance, but like technological distance you put between them. Um, very often what happens is people feel less responsibility to that conversation. This is why people will say really mean stuff to people on Twitter that they would never say if that person was standing in front of them. Because what would happen if they, what, what happens if you insult somebody, or what could potentially happen if you insult somebody to their face? You make it punched in the face, like really. You insult somebody or you insult, you know, something about them, they may physically try to hurt you. And those, okay, so those are real consequences. But if you say that to a complete stranger on Twitter because you think it's funny and you like to troll, what, what's the potential consequence? Nothing, maybe people attack you and you're you you know you're trolling them, they troll you, and then we've got this snowball effect of just sort of negativity, right? Now, the other thing apart with that is not just insulting, but it's creating doubt. Like one of the things, one of the problems that we have now is this whole world where nobody knows who to believe anymore. And this becomes problematic because again, what's happening, and typically, all the shouting is done by a very small percentage of people on either side of the subject. It's a small percentage that does all the shouting. But they're also, because we live in a world of algorithms, um, they're the ones that get the most attention via social media, and so their voices get amplified, okay? And so everybody else looks at it, and then suddenly you've got people inserting doubt. Like, well, maybe there is something to that. 
Maybe there's not something, you know, whatever it is. But it's doubt and confidence drops. So this is a problem. Uh, and this is a problem for people like us. Um, I've worked in journalism for a long time. Um, I spent two years on the border, Mexican border, when there, everything was blown up down there. And I was physically there reporting exactly what I saw. And I had people literally on the other side of the country who weren't there telling me what I was saying was wrong. Which is a weird kind of thing to be, especially when these are people I know. Like these are people that I should have already established some level of credibility with. And then I say something that contradicts whatever it is they've been listening to. And we're going to get into this, but I contradict with the, whatever it is they've been hearing. And they're like, you're obviously lying. Where's their justification for that? Maybe they don't, have, I mean, it's bias. It's their own personal bias. It's what we call confirmation bias. So, we're going to go back to the beginning a little bit, to the Greeks. How do you know what truth is, Richie? If we're talking about truth, how do you know what truth is? It happened. It actually happened. Okay. You can back it up. Okay. Verifiable facts. Fair enough. Anybody else want to give a shot at it? Anybody? Everyone, by everybody breaking eye contact when I look at them. Everybody, or at least like the majority of people, agree it happened. So majority wins as far as facts. Well, maybe not. The truth. Majority wins as truth. Okay. Agree? Disagree? Disagree. All right. Why? Uh, just because people, a majority of people agree on something, that doesn't make it the truth. Let's just say history, for example. We were taught in America a whitewashed history that uh -huh. doesn't mean it's all true. Okay. Anybody else want to take a shot at it? What about, okay, so the, you guys are talking about objective truths. Are there other kind of truths besides objective truths? What things like wisdom? These kind of truths, moral truths, things that are passed on, passed down. Okay. Are, are these things we can agree on? Like, what would be an example of something that's like a non? It's more. It's not an objective truth. It's more like a truth in terms of wisdom. Maybe this. Maybe you could call it a socially agreed upon um, rule of life. Like, I think most of us can agree that it's probably better not to kill people. Maybe. Somebody, did I hear a dissent somewhere? <laughs> I, heard, I thought I heard, oh, that's T, yeah, okay, that, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, but just as a general rule, like, it's just like, that person's ugly, I think I'm gonna kill him. Like, you know. As a general rule, like we're thinking, that's probably not a good idea. Fair enough, maybe. All right. Anything else? Okay. So you think you got a, Richie, you think you got a pretty good idea of what truth is? Yeah. You just told me. All right, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough, then. I got, I got another question. It's way simpler. 
Way simpler. I'll pull this out here. Richie, what is that? How do you know it's a chair? Because somebody created it for somebody to sit on it. When you bought it, it's a chair on the back. Okay. <laughs> because a long, long, long time ago, when chairs were first created, some guy said, I'm going to call that right there a chair. And everybody's like, okay. That's a chair. It's a chair then. So how do you know, but how do you know it's a chair? Because that's what they say. That's what they say. Again, you, you guys just said the majority people agreeing on something doesn't make it a fact. It's a fact. How do you know it's a fact? You go on the Google. You go on the Google because Google never lies. Correct. <laughs> when you go into the store and they say, hey, and you see that package and they say over there, they say, hey, I want to buy that thing over there. And they say, hey, a chair. You just bought yourself a new chair. Oh, because it's passed down like everybody I just want you to know how you know. I didn't ask about going to the store and buying one. I want you to tell me why you know that's a chair. That thing. You're like, because I go to the store. No, you talked about it something else entirely. I'm, you looked at that. You did not go to the store. I, store. I drug it out in the middle of the room. And I said, what is it? And you went, that's a chair. How do you know? Because it's similar to other chairs. Is it really? What makes it similar? Because it has the same purpose what it, of sitting. Okay, I can sit on the floor. You could. Then you could call the floor a chair. I could you know. really? Could, but would you be right? So what do you think it is? Oh, this is not about me. This is about you. <laughs> I want you to tell me. Okay, you said, made to sit on. Great, I can sit on a chair. I can sit on a couch. I can sit on a tree stump. What makes it a chair, though? Hmm? No, 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 come on, bring it, what, no. If you can sit in it, then I guess technically anything is a chair. A person can be a chair, the floor can be a chair, the couch can be a chair. So it's a I don't think, I don't think, I don't think the rest of the people will agree with that, except trying to make this argument go away. What do you think? Maybe it's style, like there's different styles of chairs, I don't know. What would make, okay, what would make it a chair by style? Well, Oh, it looks like an L, you know, and it's wide. Four legs. Four legs. Four legs. legs. Four legs. Four legs. Four legs. Four legs. Also a chair. Also a chair. One leg. What do you see? A chair. Not a little. I can see. It's got. It's like an octopus chair. Yeah. It's not in any. It rolls. It rolls. Not stand. It doesn't. It has very little to do with this one. Cell shaped. Society taught us that it was a chair. Oh, come on, Richie. You can do better. Society named it the microwave, then it's a microwave. Well, society said it's a chair, so it's I a chair. I can sit on a microwave, too, by the way. Oh, my God. It's a chair. What? That doesn't mean it's a chair. You're right. So, sitting on it obviously has nothing it's to do with not, it being a chair. So, why is it a chair? I don't know. I guess because it's just a mutual agreement that it's a chair. I don't know. I'm trying to hear your answer, though. Yeah. Tell us what, what you makes think. makes it a chair to We're you? not to that point yet. I got to get you good and frustrated first. This is my point. Do I? Yeah. I know I don't. I've got until yeah. nine o'clock. <laughs> we're in a silent. Have you ever been? Okay, so. You haven't been in until nine o'clock ever. Well, that's because you haven't been in one of my lecture classes. I like to talk. If you you know I like to hear myself talk. <sighs> Too bad. Back to the question. Put it for you. Why is that a chair? Why is it not a chair? Why? 
You tell me. Why is I it not a chair? You asked the question. Reframe. Okay. Reframe the question. Maybe you can figure out why it's not a chair. I'm just. We're talking about objective truths here, right? This is what Richie said. I have verifiable facts, and I know it's the. I know it's the facts. It's verifiable. It's a chair. You know what? I don't think it is a chair. You don't think so? What is it? It's a conspiracy, isn't it? I think so. This is this is like a. Yeah, QAnon thing. It's not really a chair. Yeah, it's not really a chair. Okay. What is it then? It's, it's irritation is what it is, right? It's a lounge. Chase lounge. Nobody calls them chairs. You know? Right? They don't call them chairs. You know why? Because they're chase lounges. They're something else. Okay. What's the difference between the two? One's wrong and one's not. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I don't know. Tamara, what'd you find? You're on your searching. <laughs> You're like, how do I know how this is a chair? A chair. It's, a separate seat for one person, typically with a back and four legs. Okay. So back and four legs. Tippy got a back. Let me ask you this question. Is this a chair or a stool? Okay, there are more definitions for the back. It's a roller chair. I think it's stool. It's a stool. Does it? Nobody been to a bar? Like a bar stool? Bar stool? A lot of times they do. Yeah, but it's not a stool. It's a chair. How do you know? You're so sure about this, but you can't tell me why. Oh my God. Because you said so. So now we're back to like Facebook arguments because I said it right. Richie, what you got? You were very sure of yourself before we got started. I'm, I'm telling you, I was a You just. <laughs> so here's a question for you, though. Another one? Yeah, so it's all, it's, it's all about questions. This is the best kind of way to teach questions, questions, questions. Not if you don't get no answers. Yes. You get better questions. Oh. That's how you learn. Um, here's the thing. What do you think is a more complicated topic? Chairs or knowing what a chair is or knowing what truth is? Truth. Think truth, yeah? I think they're both equally complicated. Why? Yeah, I'm like, yes. I mean, so here, but here's the thing, though, right? When I'm talking about, we go online and people are like, "I'm right. I am the purveyor of truth." Right? You hear this? You hear this shit all the time. I'm right. You're wrong. And I'm just going to argue with you so you can hear me tell you you're wrong. Right? And this is what people do. The problem is, if you can't tell me why that's a chair, how the hell are you supposed to tell me what truth is? reason that you know that's a chair is because you you as a living breathing animal can think abstractly you know that's a chair and that's a chair and that's a chair even though they're not really that similar because somewhere in your brain you've got this idea of sort of this perfect chair it's what perfect chairness is like this is an abstract thing. You don't actually, it doesn't really necessarily have a form. 
but it does have a form. It's a perfect form. And so this is where we get ideas of like, this is what perfection looks like. This is the perfect chair. And so what you're actually seeing is a reflection of the thing that's in your brain. You don't know that's a chair. You can't say that. There's no argument that can convince anyone objectively of why that's a chair because objectively any other object can do the exact same thing appear the same way. Couches look like chairs. They're just wider. Love seats are, can't decide what they want to be, so they're somewhere in between, right? So let's take it a little further. So imagine for a second that you're, there's a, there's a group of people, group of men in a cave and they're chained up. I'm just squatting down in a chair. Because I can. This is what I do. Um, so imagine you've got these people. They're chained up inside of a cave. They're right out in the middle of the room. Okay? You picturing it? They can't turn around. They can't move. All they're doing is they're chained up. They can't turn. And they, they can look straight ahead and see the wall that's several feet in front of them. Picture it. This is the only reality they've ever known. They have been there as far as they, as long as they have been alive. This is the only thing they've seen. Okay? Make sense? Yes, it's a weird, it's a weird example. Now, front of them is nothing but a blank wall. Just a wall. Behind them is a fire. This has been their reality as long as they've been alone. Now, they're not alone. They can't turn around, they can only look straight ahead. They can only stare at this wall. They're not alone though, so between them and fire are other things. I'm already talking about this. Behind them, there are other stuff. There's like dogs right in between the fire, and then there's cats, and birds, people. And, but they're walking between the fire and them. And so those things are casting shadows on the wall in front of them, right? So the only thing that they see are these shadows. So, the light of the fire casts shadows of these things projected on the wall. The shadows are what the prisoners see. It's the only thing they've ever seen. So they don't see the dog, they see the shadow of the dog. The thing is, since they've never seen anything else, they've never been able to turn around and see the actual dog, to them, the shadow is the dog. When they think of a dog, they see that shadow. It's the only thing they've ever seen, right? Are you tracking? Yes? Okay. Now, this is the world they've only known. They're grown adults. That shadow is the dog. Now, what happens when we break that? So, think about this. So, those of you who grew up in a church, some of this makes sense. Uh, if you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard this. One of the things that you need to know, one of the things that we do badly today is we read ancient texts through contemporary lenses. We don't read them in the sense that they were originally written and for the audience they were intended for. So, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians. You've heard this at just about every wedding you've ever gone to. All right, the Corinthians were Greeks. Greeks had certain history and certain beliefs already. So we're talking about Plato, we're talking about Greek philosophy, the stuff that we're already talking about, right? So, 
You've heard this. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of the childhood behind me. For now, we see only a dim reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. So, the important part here is a dim reflection is in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now, I know in part, then I shall know fully, even though I don't fully know. A lot of times this gets interpreted as like somebody, this guy just grew up. He became an adult. But that's not really what's being said here. He's like, I saw things one way, but now I see them more completely. A dim mirror is like, imagine like looking in a mirror when it's all foggy in the morning. You really can't see a good reflection. It clears, you see more clearly. He's saying what they're seeing is not the whole truth. There's a greater truth out there. There's a perfect, there's another realm, another universe, a heaven where perfect perfection exists. The thing that we see now is only a shadow. So whenever you guys hear people talking about the afterlife of heaven or whatever, whatever the idea of perfection is, like this is going to be the perfect career for me, the perfect home, the perfect whatever, it's because they hold some kind of abstraction in their mind of, what the, of a thing they've never seen, but think what it's going to be like, right? It's this target that they're aiming at. All right, because it seems reality is only what we're capable of perceiving. This part's important. The reality, reality for us, all too often, isn't necessarily what actually exists, it's what we perceive to exist. Case in point, square A, square B. What color is square A? Right? Great. Color square B. Why? What if I told you they're the exact same color? Would you say you're full of crap? They're the exact same color. Your brain lies to you when you see this. Because it's like, oh, I want that. Okay, I get it. It's a checkerboard. Things are darker, things are lighter. And your brain does the math. It says, okay, this makes it more logical for me to understand. So I'm just going to go ahead and leave some information out so that you the exact same color. And if you stare at them long enough, you can make them turn the exact same color in your brain. But just on casual flips, you don't. Okay? Much of what we believe is reality is simply what our, our senses are capable of translating in our minds. Our reality is really only defined by the resolution that our brains will let us see. See, the thing is about our eyes, well, we'll get to the hair. The world we smell is not the world a dog smells. Why not? Why did, why did, what? I'd say we don't have the same senses. Yeah, the dog, a dog can smell so much more. They have so many more uh, sensory nerves in their nose. Like you smell a bowl of soup, that dog is smelling each individual ingredient, right? Same way, but our eyes, we have much better eyes than most mammals. Um, so we can see a lot of different colors that other things can. Um, one of the other things, typically you don't actually can't see color very well in your peripheral vision. You really see more black and white over here, but you don't know it because your brain, again, fills in the details. So we're not really taking it all in. There's a border to our perception. Just because it feels like it's high definition doesn't mean it actually is. Richie, you tracking? You're looking intently, intently now. 
You've got, I've got your attention. Like I said, our eyes will take in a lot more data than our brain is actually capable of perceiving, and it's always just throwing stuff out. Like, this is why you can be driving down the road and forget like the last 20 minutes. It's because your brain is just keeping enough. It doesn't like, it, it doesn't want the hard drive to get full, right? And so it's constantly tossing stuff out. Now, and, and it does this to preserve your sanity. Like, if you were seeing everything and taking it all in, it would probably be enough to drive you crazy, right? Because there's so much more out there. Now, let's go back to the cave. Remember, we've got guys, they're all chained up. There's a wall in front of them. They're seeing shadows going across. There's a dog, the shadow of a dog, but to them, it's the dog. It's the shadow that they see. Yes? Yes. Okay. All right. Now, imagine for one of these prisoners, just one, chains got broken. And then that prisoner was able to turn around and see the fire. What then happens to that person's reality? Hmm? It's broken. Like, first of all, he's never seen anything as bright as a fire. Ever. He's never seen a fire. He doesn't know what fire is. Right? It breaks his reality. Okay? So when that reality gets broken, what's his initial response? Let's turn back around and look at the wall again. Why? comfortable comfortable it's a comfortable shadow like i don't want to look at that actual dog when i can turn around and see the thing that i've always known to be true like if i turn around like it becomes very uncomfortable um this is what we call cognitive dissonance like you you're presented with new information that conflicts with old information and this is in you, your initial response is discomfort and often anger right and you, again you see this on online all the time with people all right so, turns around, stares, he stares at the fire, or stares at the wall again. He's going back to his happy place. But then, let's just take it a step further. So, it breaks his reality, turns back, stares back at the comfortable shadows. But then, imagine when the guard says, nope. And he takes him, and not only drags him past the fire, he drags him outside the cave into the sunlight. Now, literally everything he knows about reality is destroyed. Like this is the part, this, this is honestly the part where people would lose their minds because they never, like this is Neo in the matrix, just took the, took the red pill, right? Everything that you thought was reality is not reality. Everything is broken, okay? So at this point, is it a comfortable feeling? Yes or no? Nah, super uncomfortable, right? But, but, he spends some time out there, he gets disoriented, he's angry, he's not in a good place. The longer he stays there, just like going outside after a movie, like your eyes adjust, right? You wake up in the middle of the night, you flip on the light, you're blinded, you're stumbling around, give it a little bit of time, your eyes adjust to the light, okay? So eventually, he starts, he can see things around him. He can see the outside of the cave. He can see trees, he can see animals. He can see water. He can see everything. And eventually, after a point in time, he can actually look at the sun itself. He can look at the source of all light, okay? Now, his eyes have adjusted. He becomes a creature of the light. Fallen. He is now enlightened. 
Okay. Now you think about this from the perspective of people you've met. They've come, they've been introduced to some kind of information. You see this a lot with people when they find religion, you see it when sometimes I see it in school when somebody like something clicks for them. Like at this point, everything, all the lights come on and they get very excited and they, um, you know, they, become, they, they start evangelizing for whatever the thing is. Like you should be like, they've suddenly found Apple computers and now everyone they know needs to have an Apple computer. If you don't have an Apple computer, you're wrong, right? This is their new, whatever the new reality is, okay? He's become enlightened. So the thing he wants to do more than anything at this point is what? Remember where he came from? Yeah, he wants to go back. So he wants to go back and free his fellow prisoners. But again, where are these people? They're still chained up in the cave. They're still staring at the wall. They've still seen, never seen anything other than the shadows. But he wants to set them free. There's a problem, though. He's been outside. He runs back in the cave. What happens? He can't see a freaking thing anymore because he's used to the light. Right? So now he's in the dark. Um, so the cave's too dark for his eyes. He's blinded by the darkness as he was once blinded by the sun. And so he tries to talk to his friends... But what do they see? They don't see a guy who can actually, who's telling them about all the bright, they see a guy who's blind because he can't see in the dark anymore. He can't see that the world that they see anymore. And so they look at him, he's like, he's a fool, okay? And so he tries to set them free, but they resist and they push back against him and then anybody else who tries to set them free. Because this, like, they see what, they saw what happened to the guy that got loose. He went crazy. We don't want anything to do with that, right? What happens really is his reality changed. So what's the golden rule of communication? And we're getting to why this is actually relevant to a social media class. Golden rule of communication. Anybody? Know thy audience. The way I would talk to you is not the way I would talk to a bunch of kindergarten kids. The way I would talk to you is not the way I would talk to a bunch of people in nursing or, you know, any... Like I talk to you in a very specific way because you're you, okay? You do the same thing. Talk to your friends in a way that you wouldn't talk, probably don't talk to your parents or your grandparents. So again, remember when I was talking about reading Corinthians a while ago, uh, I was talking about he was talking to a Greek audience. It's because he was trying to reach a Greek audience. Now, that's not the only book that was written for a Greek audience. There is the Gospel of John, which is a very different gospel. Uh, in the Bible, this can be seen in the opening lines of the Gospel of John when Jesus is referred to as the Word. Okay? The Word is the English translation. The original Greek translation would have been Logos. And sometimes you get hear that tossed around in church. Um, but typically when people will say Logos, they'll just typically mean the Word. They'll just say the Word. But the thing is, Logos is loaded with a lot of meaning. In Greek, it's truth, logic, and light. So um, Plato had three different things you needed, logos, pathos, and ethos, to be able to communicate effectively, to persuade people. Logos was logic, ethos was charisma, and pathos was credibility. You needed those three things to be able to communicate. So in this particular passage though, when he's talking logos, 
what he's actually saying is when he said the word, we would just translate it as like, oh, Jesus, word, equate those two. But what he's really saying is Jesus was reason, logic, and light. So he's using, he's actually jumping on some very, very Greek terminology that people, the Greek audience would have picked up on. He says, in the beginning was the word. What he's saying, in the beginning was logic, light. Logic, reason, and light. Again, Greek philosophers, he's talking to his audience. And the word logos was God, was with God, and the word logos was God. So do the math for the Greeks. Logos, reason, logic, and light. God equals the ultimate truth and the highest ideal. Now, this part is also important when it comes to social media. This is why we end up with so much arguing. So when we talk about God, whether you take it from a literal standpoint or a metaphorical, symbolic standpoint, typically this equates to the ultimate good whatever, um, the highest plane of whatever the thing is that we value. Um, and this is what, so we've got the religious imp impulse in people and we tend to apply religion a lot of everything. This is why we elevate politicians. We, we throw them all up to this sort of mini-God standpoint. So when you've got a culture who primarily center out, centers around <clears throat> one idea of what the ultimate good is, everybody's values are all pointing to that thing, and they're all sort of running in parallel, right? Now, when this breaks down within a culture and you get this God, you get this God, you get this God, right? You get all these. Anybody read the book or seen the book or seen the movie American Gods or the series American Gods? But all these things that we basically kind of start to worship after a while, there's technology, politics, money, whatever it is. Whatever we start, a culture starts seeing as the highest value, when these things become elevated, kind of the, the same tier, and everybody out down here is shooting for them, the problem is you get people shooting in different directions, and all of these points that those two intersect become moments of conflict because your God is in competition with my God and whatever. And we can have to talk about this in context of religion as well. The problem is that when we're talking about God from a metaphorical standpoint, we could be talking about right-wing ideology, left-wing ideology, whatever ideology we want. They're now in competition, and everybody's striving to say, I'm right, this is what truth is. And those truths are in competition, and they're hitting, literally hitting each other in conflict. So, from a Greek audience, what he's saying, reason, logic, and light is essentially the highest point. God's ultimate truth, highest ideal, God's reason, logic, and light, God equals logos, God equals truth. Right? This is what he's saying. So what he's saying at this point, he, logos, so logic was with God and in the beginning, through him all things were made, and through him, and through logic all things were made, and without logic nothing was made that has been made. In logic was life, and in that life was the light of all mankind. You see where he's going with it? It's a much deeper passage than what we typically would read as an American audience, contemporary minds, right? He's going hard into the, into the pain with Greek mythology and Greek belief system, okay? 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testifying to the light, so that, that through him all, thing, all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Sounds a lot like a guy coming out of a cave. The whole cave analogy comes from, it's Plato's um, allegory of the cave. This is straight up Greek philosophy. And this is exactly what's getting interacted. So for Plato, what this was like, this is what it was like to be a philosopher. You study, you learn, you see the light, you become enlightened, you try to tell your friends and they don't want anything to do with you. You're officially a crazy person, right? You're seeing a world that's much bigger. And again, going back to why you go to a university is to become enlightened, to get exposed to things that you realize like some of the shadows you might've seen growing up in whatever town, turns out that was just the, the shadow from the town that you grew up in. Like the thing you thought was the highest level that you could obtain, turns out it really wasn't. Like it was just the shadow that you learned to believe in. You go to university, you realize like it's, at some point you're like cut loose. And this is what happens sometimes when you come to university, you get educated, you do these things and you turn around and you try to go back and you tell your friends back home and they look at you like you're a crazy person. You've done got too educated and too full of yourself, right? This is what happens. It's those who've seen the light. And this is also what it's like to be a journalist at times. Our job is to find the truth. Like, again, going back to Richie, like basically we look for facts and put them in their proper context. That's kind of our job. We tell stories and stories are hardwired and we have told stories as human beings as long as we've been human beings. That's how we figure out how to live. Like, you read, you guys know the story of Peter Pan? What's, what's the premise of Peter Pan? It's just a Disney film, right? What's the basics? Fairy? His kid, his kid didn't want to grow up though, right? Who is he pursued by? No, Captain Hook. Who was Captain Hook pursued by? The alligator. What was in the alligator? I don't know. Oh, a TikTok. Clock. You literally have, so on that story, like that's a story about basically learning, how, it, it is a story about learning to grow up. Because on one hand, you've got one person who doesn't age and refuses to grow up, and you have the other character who's pursued by death, who's literally pursued by the ticking time bomb of death. And it's those two interacting. We use these stories to try to figure out how to navigate life. These are quite literally navigational charts of how we figure out how to move on. And we do it, and the thing about the thing about stories is nobody's technically preaching at you. And so you can, they, they sort of fall under the radar and you learn these little values, truths, um, more subtly. We, we've learned about culture's values. But see, this is what we are as journalists, is we tell stories. Um, we tell stories that reflect the state of humanity. And within the context of our social media stuff, sometimes we tell stories that you know we're doing for marketing. It's not necessarily all about um, the news of the day. Sometimes it's just like, I really want you to like this thing that I do. Um, but the thing that we also have to remember is what I, one of the first things I said, words have consequences. Like we can't just throw anything out there and pretend like it doesn't matter, right? Sometimes you can't go back home again. 
because that box just doesn't fit anymore. Sometimes people around you just don't understand. In this digital age, those caves and shadows can take a lot of algorithmically generated forms. It's not just your hometown casting shadows, it's also your TV and your phone. The world that you look at, Tamara, you just jump it over there. Like the stuff that you see on your phone, millions of lines of code that have that are, are refined just to give you exactly what they think you want. Same with you, Hunter. Same with every one of you. If everything is designed specifically to give you exactly what you want, it's specifically designed to give you the shadows that it thinks that you want. The problem is, is when your world no longer looks like your world, no longer looks like your world, and you end up with this thing, and where people are throwing you know, shots at each other and doing all kinds of stuff, fighting over shadows, right? Tribes form from the shadows. They're believing that each is seeing the true reality. Then those tribes go to war with each other. And all they're ever doing is fighting over shadows. So truth is a tricky business. And that business is both your reality and your task. So here is my charge for you for the semester. The words you write may very well be the final weight that tips the scales to make another life better or worse. Treat your words as such. Craft them and shape them with both creativity and discipline so that you know that you told your story with accuracy, beauty, and conviction. Treat your words as if they matter, because Richie, they do. Okay? Questions, comments, complaints, clever anecdotes, turbid events, <laughs> salacious sonnets, salacious haikus, pernicious paragraphs, diabolical diatribes, amazing alliterations, going once, going twice, go away. Have a good night. Take your cautionary tales Take your incremental game And all the sick of fancy Falling down like rain, like a parade to usher in your life.